Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casella. With me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy NFL Draft Week. Happy holiday to our ESF listeners. Um, I think the draft is good, a good place to, to, to go with it. I mean, it's sports adjacent. It's an actual event. I'm very excited that it's coming. It's an actual event. I can't wait for... Um... Boomers using uh, Zoom tomfoolery uh, to, uh, to to really just permeate the, the entire three day event. Um, I'm really glad that they're raising money um, as well for for I think at least a couple different charities. Um, kind of turning it into a bit of a telethon situation. Uh, I'm also excited um, to see how badly uh, the team I, I root for, but I wouldn't really call my I would barely call my team anymore. Uh, the New York Giants. Uh, do I don't know if you saw that uh, that image comparing like his uh, war room, very, well Gettleman's war, war room versus uh, like the Chargers war room. The Chargers is like five <laughs> six different screens. Gettleman's got like a stack of papers and like a laptop from 1996. A giant bottle of lotion for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting behind his couch. Like, I mean, I get like if you're an NFL GM, you're probably at your office like an ungodly amount of time but like it's a little weird he doesn't have an in-home office <laughs> not just that but like he also looks like he has like a makeshift in-home office from like 1999 it's uh it's it's a site it was perfect for gentlemen like hopefully he's just trolling us and he like kind of under he like almost gets the joke so he just it's like let's no put way. up a really crappy t- yeah, i know i know actually i don't know why i hope that I'm, a, not, I'm not a giants fan <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like it, it's uh i really appreciate the uh the like random table he found around the house somewhere behind the couch uh, it's just it's so good it's just is this all par for the course at this point i mean the giants it's amazing how quickly the giants turned into a like knicks type franchise um one that is like locked into an ownership group that's never going to leave um they make painfully bad um like decisions around coaches and management um again like very nicks um you have a, a a blind faith in like things that can't be quantified which is again very nicks um you know but, but for, for the nicks they went from not caring about uh you know the the data revolution at all in basketball to then caring so much about it that they set a then three-point shooting record and then suddenly invited, uh, what's it called, McKinsey in the door to, to make themselves more efficient and then proceeded to ruin the team. <laughs> and I feel like the Giants are, are like cruising right towards that. I, uh, I, I'm just really in awe of how you go from like two titles in a five-year stretch to rightfully firing uh, Reese as the GM and then, and then plunging into this fresh hell. It's also, it's just, like, the one thing that separates them in the Knicks is that the Maras are, like, one of the venerable, old football money, like, organizations that quote-unquote does things the right way, and, like, it's, like, one of those ownership groups that you, you know, not too long ago would have wanted to have running your franchise, and I don't know that anything really has, like, changed super hard on their end. I don't know if there's, like, a shift in influence or whatever, but um, it's kind of remarkable how how much things have changed just, like, basically since that second Super Bowl, um, and obviously... Yeah, like, like within two Super seasons Bowl. of that. 
Yeah, and, like, it almost kind of, like, helps drive the narrative of, like, those two Super Bowls being kind of fluky because, like, basically you go, I mean, there was some other success, but not, like, sustained success outside of those two runs. And, like, people remember the runs, and that's ultimately what counts in sports, uh, especially, like, you know, sports as we have all decided to value them. But um, it's not like this has been, like, a long-term, like, this team was winning 11, 12 games more often than not. Like, as a Packers fan, I get I get frustrated with, like, the playoff losses but, like, at the end of the day, I've, we've, my whole fandom has been two franchise quarterbacks, uh, super, like, a Super Bowl for each, and then, like, in the playoffs almost every year winning double-digit games, winning divisions, probably more than half of the years I've rooted for the team. So, like, the Giants don't even have that. They have more Super Bowls, but I don't know that I would trade it because, like, almost every year my team's fun to watch and competitive. Right. Yeah, like, realistically, a lot of people like to make the comparison to the Giants as the Steelers, when I honestly think the Giants are more – Carolina Panthers <laughs> when you think about like the, the the peaks and valleys I mean a lot of people and I know this is turning into like an NFL talk um, but a lot of people like think about the Giants as like this you know just like stalwart franchise and they are they've been around a long time but like realistically you look at like in the in the Super Bowl era sucked in the 60s sucked in the 70s uh, didn't get good until like midway through the 80s were good through the early 90s um, had a slight blip up from about 97 to 2001, uh, then dipped back down, then had, you know, the first half or so of Eli's career, and then have dipped back down. Like, the Giants haven't had this, like, extended level of success um, by any means. And really, like, you know, it, it kind of fooled everybody, self-included, and a lot, a lot of other Giants fans, too, into thinking that the Giants were – any different than the, than the other, you know, owned by a lunatic franchises in that division. Um, it, it really is amazing how those four uh, teams, you know, Washington, Philadelphia, the Giants, um, and Dallas were kind of meant for each other um, just in terms of um, they are all in big markets, yes, but just the level of, of, of public dysfunction that, that the four of them seem to operate at at this point and, and seem to endorse at this point. Um, has has become a master class in what not to do um, if you own a professional sports franchise. I feel, despite the fact that most of them have won Super Bowls, actually all of them have won Super Bowls in my lifetime. And it, it, it's just amazing how like it took the Giants this long to get lumped into that group, despite the fact that they were they really were one of them the whole time. It's just they, they managed to hide it better. Yeah, now if anything, the Eagles are like the well-run franchise. Like they, they're the Eagles, so they have like a level of, a baseline level of chaos always. But like, they're the ones who are usually pretty competent, even if it like comes about in weird ways. Um, but just hearing your rundown of the Giants, like they're not really the Knicks, they're the Mets. They're the Mets with just a couple <laughs> more championships. Because <laughs> like the Mets will fall into into some like decent stretches or decent individual seasons. Um, but and, you're and never every championship sure. is surprising. <laughs> yes, and you're never quite sure that when a good season comes, it was at all sustainable or like it didn't really go as anyone designed it just kind of happened based on like the will of a couple of really good players you, you could you could make the easy analogy between the uh you know the 86 mets and the 86 giants um as just dominant teams um that still need a little bit of help um the 90 giants would also probably be an anal- well the 90 giants would actually be more analogous to the 86 mets because while they weren't as dominant i don't feel they needed that extra little bit of luck at the end um, to get the win. And then, yeah, the, uh, the two most recent Giants titles against the Patriots, um, more on par with the, uh, 
more on par with the, with the 2015 World Series uh, birth for the Mets and, and or the 69 World Series win. Yeah, I was trying to work through like a uh, David Wright is Eli Manning thing, but I think actually David Wright's more Philip Rivers, but nice, way nicer and fewer kids. Also fair. Um, speaking of the Mets, before we get off this tangent, uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, tweet that went out today where somebody was looking at, uh, at oil barrel pricing and said, this is giving off real 2007 Mets playoff odds vibes. <laughs> the only, I didn't see that one. I saw, I saw uh, the, uh, the uh, Auburn uh, sits tall uh, with the chart, which was fantastic. I did not see that, but that's unbelievable. Um, I'm sure it was like David Roth. If I had to guess, but I, I didn't see that, but that's perfect as well. Surprisingly, it was not David Roth, um, but yeah, like just kind of you know, just just, just solemnly transported me back to uh, to freshman year all over again when I had a conversation with a friend at a house party, and I was like, "Yeah, getting a little concerned about the Mets," and he's like, "Nah, man, you guys are up like seven games. It's fine. You're not gonna blow this lead. <laughs> like, you're not a Mets fan, man. You don't know." That was a that was so a really annoying. unique sports hell. Uh, going home, I was a senior in high school that year, and going home after football practice every single night to watch the Mets lose another game <laughs> to open my senior year of high school and just barrel their way out of the playoff race by the end of the month. That was just, I mean, again, we're not going to do this whole thing, but the, the, the 06 to um, 08 stretch was for as brutal as Mets fandom's been, like that, 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 that is truly like a trial by fire. That like if you wanted to bail on the team, like I wouldn't necessarily judge you, and like I considered it, uh, like I wouldn't necessarily judge you for doing so. It's it's so much easier said than done. The Mets gets like deep into your bloodstream, and you can't really get it out effectively. You need to like you need like actual leeches, I think. Oh, believe me, I know. I, I remember I I, I had uh, season tickets for it for a, a completely different baseball team in the same uh, league for an entire season. <laughs> still never took. Not still, totally. Still never took. No, I mean I own a couple Dodgers shirts just because it's easy merchandise to to rep around here, and, and and the Dodgers used to play in New York, so I at least have that card to play. Yeah, and like baseball, uh, unless like unless you're gonna like root for a direct rival, like you can get away with it. There's so so few people who are like national baseball fans at this point that it's hard to judge people for for you know having interest in a couple of different teams, especially if they live across the country from where the team they root for is. Very true. Speaking of teams that I live across the country from, um, Elijah Hughes will be staying in the NBA draft per a tweet from Jeff Goodman. Uh, this should surprise no one. I know when I was talking to Jim Beheim last week, he, uh, he definitely didn't seem like he didn't say it explicitly, but he definitely didn't sound like he thought, uh, Eli was coming back. And I don't think anyone, I think he like called himself. I think at one point he like caught himself, like basically knowledge. He wasn't coming up. I was like, I think it was like, uh, Oh, I hope he does though. It's like, all right, Jim, we know. <laughs> We know Jim. That's fine. We get Speaking it. of that, yeah, I talked to Jim Mayheim last week. Uh, that was cool. This is a yeah. This is a. Uh, I mean, as far as like a one-on-one conversation, this is a, a new magician first. Um, Streaming you know, our illustrious of money heist. Streaming of money heist on Netflix in Central New York has spiked four hundred forty-four percent over the last week. Just yeah, you know, money heist and uh, and Bosch are his uh, are his go-to's, which. Um, I was like not surprised by it and surprised by it all at once. It, I don't, I've never seen either show, but it, it seems right. I was I was hoping he was gonna be like, yeah, man. I don't know if you've watched this show, Gossip Girl, but I've been watching it. And let me tell you, uh, like Blair is really frustrating. <laughs> and I was uh, like, I, I was hoping for that because we would have gotten a million listens. 
<laughs> if if if, if uh, this quarantine brought us a Jim Beheim Gossip Girl episode by episode podcast, I would be forced to start <laughs> watching Gossip Girl. Like Let me not, tell not you, I watched Gossip Girl twice through. <laughs> not because I'm I'm opposed to watching Gossip Girl, but it wasn't exactly like a thing that I had like written down for myself. But I just would need to hear Jim Beheim talking about it. No, I definitely would too. Um, I really feel like if no one has sat down and rewatched like Gossip Girl and wrote an episode by episode review, like I might have to go there. I because the beginning of that. The beginning of that show was was like like I mean like in hindsight I'm sure somebody did like at the time I'd be curious to see if anyone's like bothered to go back because I think it's what was once like it was billed as very edgy and at the time it was for like the first season of it and then everything kind of like everyone just got kind of lazy the actors got kind of comfortable like other shows just surpassed it streaming kind of started a little bit at the time like it just it doesn't hold up as well as it probably should for what it was at the beginning. But like, if you've, I, I personally enjoyed it. I felt like the writing was really bad at the end. Um, and, and the, the finale was dog shit, but I, I, I've watched that show twice through and I can tell you that, uh, that I would endorse, especially the early seasons of Gossip Girl. I cannot wait to see the description of this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a good time. Anyway. NFL draft, Dan. Let's go. We finally, we finally got here. Um, you know, ten or so minutes into this, um, four Syracuse players were invited to the NFL scouting combine this year: uh, Kendall Coleman, Sterling Hoffrichter, uh, Tristan Jackson, and Alton Robinson. And I, I assume we're on the same page that Alton Robinson probably gets picked first. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's getting mocked in the middle of these of these drafts. I think it's a pretty safe. But I think uh, one of the most recent ones I saw uh, had him going to the Cowboys in the fourth round. But like when you're a fourth round pick, you could be a, you know, a team loves you in the late second, or a team, you know, or, or you fall to the sixth. It's kind of hard to, to really know exactly where you're gonna. It's hard to lock down where someone's gonna go. Yeah, with Robinson, my main thing is like obviously he's got some great moves. Like he's got a couple great moves at the line. He can blow by guys really quickly, but as we saw at SU, the one problem is a lot of it's speed based. Um, he's an incredible athlete, but a lot of it is speed based. And 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 if he if he whiffs on that, you know, pursuit, like that's kind of it on the play um, on his side of the line. Unfortunately, I I think that's something that can be fixed, but I think it's not necessarily something that like a team is going to invest a first round draft pick in to fix that. Um, that said, yeah, like a second or third round pick could be possible. He performed really well at the combine. Um, he also performed really well at the senior bowl where he looked really good against a lot of his fellow, um, kind of would be draftees and standouts. Um, I'm hoping for a second round just for the sake of both him, uh, from a making the team standpoint and from, for SU for, for the sake of, you know, just getting a second round pick for the first time in a while. But, I, uh, I, I, I have my fingers crossed for him. I think that there's a lot of op- opportunities for him. My one concern is that some team's going to try to force him to be uh, an outside linebacker in a 3-4. And while I think that's something that he can do maybe later on in his career, um, I think he's got to be a defensive end in a 4-3 first. Um, figure out how to play in the NFL, figure out what he needs to kind of tweak a little bit, and then make that transition um, versus just being plugged in and just saying, all right, you're, you're now an outside linebacker in a three, four. And I, I, I could see that going wrong, unfortunately. Yeah. It's uh that's one of the things like, I, I could definitely see a three, four team um, 
targeting him because he does seem to fit that system pretty uh, pretty seamlessly. But uh, it's it's easier said than done, as you say, to just adjust, especially when he was so uh, pass rush focused. Yeah, and obviously, like that—that's the one thing. Like some of the scouts have kind of noted is like if he really is just a speed rusher and he really is just someone who like goes after the, like goes after the passer and like that's it. Like he, it's not like he was bad against the run, but he definitely wasn't as good against the run as he was against the pass. Like that could create some some concerns. I still think he's. I don't think somebody think he's he's worth the flyer. And and, and if you have a good defensive line coach. Um, I, I think by all means, like you, you can help him kind of figure it out. I think, you know, SU just college in general, you only have so much time um, to help somebody with that aspect of their game. Um, you only have so many hours at, at your disposal and, and in the NFL, you obviously have a lot more, um, you know, instruction time and things like that when needed. So I, I feel like in the right situation and maybe, you know, serving as a second stringer behind a really good defensive end, um, like a pro bowl guy who like, you know, is well known for work ethic, stuff like that. Like, somebody takes him under his wing, like that, that could be an ideal situation for him, even if it en- ends up not being his like final landing spot in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think no matter what he's, he's, uh, he's gotta be the first guy off. I think uh, we have a decent chance of seeing uh, Tristan Jackson go later on. Um, I'm seeing him like in the sixth, seventh round. And at that point, it's like, it's tough to know if they'll, someone will definitely go. Um, and hopefully Ken Coleman uh, sneaks in there as well. He's super productive. I know, doesn't have like the jump off the page kind of stuff, but but uh, it's it, you know he was so productive and such an important part of that defense. You really hope that uh, really hope that he makes it. Yeah, I feel like with Coleman, like I've seen a lot between like undraft and you're like he was kind of viewed as like an undrafted guy after the scouting combine, but he has like he has seemingly like impressed the right people in and around Indianapolis, um, which is good. I, I think that he seems like you know a Zaire Franklin type. Um, you know, where he, he has an ability to get significantly better. He's a very hard worker. Um, he actually has more moves probably at the line um, than, than Robinson does. I, I don't think he has the same versatility to play as an outside linebacker in a 3-4, so that kind of cuts the list for him a little bit. But but I, I am kind of high on him. If you see a run on pass rushers early, you know, maybe he's somebody who can go sixth, seventh round. Um, I think Jackson's the better bet to go in the sixth or seventh. Um, he's somebody who I think we were a little like, we were kind of questionable about um, his pro prospects when he first declared. And despite the fact that he's, you know, up against a lot of top wide receivers um, in this draft and a really, really deep group um, of pass catchers here. I think he's, I think he's shown a lot, you know, between the combine and the fact that he did make quite a few big plays with Syracuse last year. Um, he's got a few places where he needs to develop a little bit, but I think the fact that he's pretty versatile and can play in the slot or can play out wide um, is going to help him out a ton. Uh, I could definitely see him getting picked. Hoff is the interesting one to me. I know uh, Hunter's getting drafted is rare, but Riley Dixon got drafted. Um, I feel like punters and kickers are getting drafted with a little more frequency um, now, especially given the extra challenges around a longer extra point. Um, I think you're just seeing you need a lot more from those guys. Um, now his heel position becomes such a bigger part of uh, of the equation for teams. So I could see him, the fact that he can play kicker and punter. Um, I, I could totally see him um, getting picked in the seventh round, but it's 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 going to be tight. I mean, he's going to be in demand either way. I think if he's not picked in the seventh, I think you'll see Sterling Hoffrichter um, picked up within the first couple of days and, and has a really good shot at making a roster. Yeah, and, and even if he doesn't go, like, as you said, it's, it's hard for punters to get drafted, but there should be opportunities, like, Teams cycle through kickers and specialists so 
often that uh, it's 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 uh, not like inconceivable for him to just get a tryout and be a starter next year. Um, so it's not a it's I wouldn't be too worried about him getting uh, drafted or not. Like uh, it's it's more about what he does once he gets invited to a camp, and odds are he'll get the invite. He was so good in college. Oh yeah, and like he he has physical abilities. Uh, I know scouts were a little concerned about the fact that he was willing to like put himself in harm's way a little bit, <laughs> which I didn't mind. I mean, especially when it caused turnovers, <laughs> but you know, he, he had a little bit of Eric Dungey in him um, at, at, at times. I, I think, you know, any team probably urges him to kind of stay out of the way unless you're, you know, saving a touchdown, um, which is fair, but his hang time, his ability to pin teams back, uh, you know, was invaluable as we saw in 2018 when, when Syracuse uh, was winning the field position battle better than just pretty much any team in, in the country, barring maybe one or two. Um, a lot of that was, you know, it was a, a lot of turnovers, but more than that, it was, it was great special teams playing great special teams play by Hoffrick there in particular, um, who was able to pin teams back, make it easier on the defense um, and, and then help SU get the ball back to good field position. So, you know, I, I think, I think teams have seen his tape. I think they know what he can do. And I think that that really, that's really going to help him out because it's a, it, it's an underutilized skill for punters and, 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 and it's something that doesn't necessarily jump out when you look at just the raw, you know, punting numbers where he's not like the top guy necessarily. Yeah. It, honestly, I don't even think it's that hot a tape to say like in terms of total punting ability, he might've actually been the best like pure punter. I think uh, Riley obviously had the fun aspects and um maybe it was a little bit better in like the top and corners, but I think Hoff had a, a stronger leg. Um, so, you know, obviously Riley's carved out a pretty uh, strong uh, career in the NFL. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he can, he can have, uh, often follow up on that. Yeah. Agreed. I'd love to have, uh, love to have more NFL players that went to Syracuse, but more importantly, I think <laughs> love to have more several punters, punters <laughs> in, the, in the league. What more punters, uh, I really want to see if that uh, that random Vulcan salute thing he does holds. Where I really want to like look into that as an article idea too at some point. Where we had noticed in photos, I know you know this. Uh, we noticed in photos that that he did a Vulcan salute from Star Trek every time he uh, successfully completed a punt, and we asked the athletic department about it, and it ends up like he just does it subconsciously, and that like most punters do it and you actually look and you can see there's photo evidence of like numerous punters doing like random things um, just like subconsciously when they're done, which really baffles me to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I just want to find out more about this. I, I had definitely never noticed a punter do it before you guys brought it up. But that was like a nice little bit of a like trivia to say never a thing I've, I've noticed. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, so guys, keep on the lookout for that. And, uh, I'm going to try to follow up with some more punters and see what we can find out. But Dan, why don't we talk a little bit of uh beer here at halftime before we, uh, move on to some other, uh, Syracuse related topics. Cool. I've actually had, uh, definitely my biggest beer week in a long time. Um, I definitely got back to my South Carolina things. Uh, I think the, the new one that I bought from down here, um, the sorry, I'm slowing down the list. Uh, I had God damn it, where is it? Um, more American Colts from, from River Rat, uh, some raspberry lemonade from Steel Hands, which is pretty good. Um, and then uh, I also got a bunch of stuff from Maine because the first one of the people I'm living with here was in Maine, and 
made its way back finally. Um, and he brought back a lot of uh, stuff from Maine Beer Company, which is very exciting. I'm currently drinking at Peeper. Um, had some some lunch, uh, some of their spring IPA, which is delicious. Um, I think my new favorite from them is another one, uh, which is really good. Um, and then I also had uh, some mimosa from Peak Organic. Um, and uh, a couple different things from Allagash, including their 16 counties, which is delicious as well. So had a really strong one. Very nice. Um, on my end, I was really just finishing up a couple things um, that I had on hand. Nothing crazy. Just had uh, some crossbow pills, the rest of the four pack I had from Highland Park, and then some Hello LA, the uh, West Coast IPA from Highland Park. Um, so I'm done with my Highland Park. Well, almost done at my Highland Park selection, at least for now. Um, I have a delivery coming in from uh, Celador Ales, who's up in uh, North Park area of LA. Um, they're all sours. Uh, they're a blendery. It's a, probably one of the better breweries in LA. Um, so really excited to get some of those beers. Um, also just noticed Highland Park released cans of one of my favorite beers from them. So I might have to dip back into that. Um, but yeah, just been just been supporting as many local spots as I can without uh, without breaking the bank around here. And obviously, w- when you have a child and you don't really do anything anyway, and then this happens, uh, your your beer consumption goes down because there's not really much of a point to having more than like two or three in a night when you're just sitting on your couch. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to have like you know maybe one every couple of days, but not going too overboard. It's like you don't want that to be the only thing you're doing in a time where it's very easy for that to be the only thing you're doing. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine who's pretty much like, you know, he's telling me, oh, I took a couple of days off. <laughs> like, like eh, I don't know. I just feel like I got too much stuff to do. I feel like I'm getting too old to like, that if I have like more than like two or three in a night, like I'm not feeling great the next morning. It's just, it's just not worth it. Right. But anyway, enough about beer. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the NBA and the fact that a lot of people were panicked last week that the NBA could really blow up the college basketball model. Um, the NBA is going to have an extra team. Um, that's kind of, you know, all elite high school level players. Um, they're going to just allow for a, a, a more profitable route for players to be able to, you know, skip college and go right to the pros. Um, and while a lot of players that have been doing that have been abroad, the NBA understands that it's more beneficial for them to come in with some additional star power um, and name recognition by letting them make, you know, some amount of money um, playing in the G league and, and the league that, you know, they own the rights to both in terms of broadcast and ticket sales. So I think this is smart from the NBA standpoint. Uh, I think it forces the NCAA's hand a little bit. Uh, I know Kevin had a couple ideas around, kind of like what the NCAA can do. And, and I know like it echoes what other people have been saying um, in particular, like Dan Wetzel over at Yahoo Sports was talking about the NHL model. Um, and I think that's probably, or at least hopefully where we're headed um, with the NBA, especially because that, uh, you know, that idea is already well in place. It's been worked out with the NCAA already. Um, so it's not the hardest to implement. Um, and for, for, for those not aware of that rule, um, basically hockey players don't have to declare for the draft, but they're selected. Um, they're allowed to use an agent to advise them and they have 72 hours to decide to go pro or go to college. If they choose to go to college, the draft rights remain with the team who selected them for four years and the player isn't allowed to leave college in season. So it seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's definitely a, a, a solid, at least like framework for a model. Um, ultimately, I don't think this thing is uh, going to like really doom the NBA uh, or the college basketball team in any real meaningful way. I do think you're going to lose out on like, the top talent not going for a year, which you know is something. But you know the talent is just going to work its way down, so I don't know that you're going to have like a hugely radical, um, different, uh, different like level of team that is uh, thriving. If anything, it might kind of almost even things out because you're, it's going to be harder for like a Duke or Kentucky to sell uh, that one, uh, that like one really easy aspect of like you come here for a year, you go to the NBA, it's it's done. Um, yeah, so it's it, it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I, I think it's a good idea for the NBA. Um, I think it's good to give people the opportunity. Um, I don't think it solves a lot of the problems in college basketball in general, uh, and I think they're going to need to figure out a way to be competitive uh, in terms of paying players or getting uh, access for players to take payment for their uh, for their talents. Um, but I think it's a positive in terms of like this is definitely uh, better for for the players themselves. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it'll definitely be a pretty big change. But like as far as like Syracuse is concerned, like I, I honestly you know we do have our one and dones, but I think things are just going to kind of cycle their way down. Um, but it's up to college to then kind of present their own uh, idea for how to keep the you know things from getting really out of hand, especially if this proves successful and the G League is able to. Uh, then to attract more guys who are like one and done type players. Yeah, I do agree. I, I think in general, like this is, this isn't as big of a deal um, as it seems. I think if, if the NCAA makes changes as a result and makes some smart ones, like, you know, something like the NHL setup, um, you know, maybe figures out a better way to do name and likeness. Um, it, it, it seems like a pretty easy way to go. Like you said, there's not going to be like this, suddenly like the top 50 guys are headed to the G league. Like that's not necessarily going to be the case. I don't think the NBA has the the salaries to, to do that at all. Um, more likely, you know, you're going to see a team's worth of guys um, who are making a little bit more those, that team's probably going to do really well um, in, in a given G league season, but it, it just gives the NBA more control over uh, those names and, and their exposure and things like that. So if the, if the NCAA finds a way to, you know, just add, add another layer to players just being more marketable and something that's already on the table for them in terms of the name and likeness um, situation. Like this could be mostly a non-issue um, again, outside of those top guys. And like Syracuse does get those top guys from time to time. You know, we have obviously, and, and most notably in a guy like Carmelo Anthony, but realistically, like more, more seasons than not, we miss out on that guy. Um, so it might actually help, um, you know, Duke and Kansas and UNC and Kentucky kind of come back to the pack a little bit, but no guarantees. And obviously it depends on who's like the coach of Syracuse too, before we, uh, before we start deciding exactly like what this means for SU, um, you know, three, five, seven years down the road. Yeah. It's also obviously like the DR Johnson situation is going to be the one to look at and he's already, you know, made some, general like uh overs to it um if he goes he goes like you just if you're gonna recruit that kind of talent this is the the risk you're gonna take especially um with this uh coming about like we're gonna be far from the only team affected if he decides to go uh you're gonna see uh a lot of uh 
a lot of teams lose recruits, and I thought to say he will. But also, I don't think it's a guarantee that you're going to see. You know, sometimes I don't want to see this thing bear out. Um, and also, I think there will still be a thing to be said for college basketball as the option because um, I don't know how, like, you know, I think the G League is, is doing good things to try to make itself competitive. I don't necessarily see a team of um, high-level players uh, or, you know, having a couple more high-level players in the G League automatically making it a uh, a huge draw. And that's not to say that they shouldn't try or that, uh, or that they shouldn't uh, be going in this direction. But I, I think it's going to be tough to really sell uh, people on the G League being a, a new thing that is going to vault people uh, to, like, the levels of fame of, like, uh, Trey Young or uh, – you know, Zion, I think, was kind of his own thing. He's kind of the rare uh, example that probably would have worked. You could probably say the same thing for, like, LeBron's kids or, you know, a situation like the Ball family who have drawn interest in other ways. But um, I think more – unless – and I, I, you know, welcome the chance to be proven wrong, but I still think if you're looking for, like, to really raise your that your profile, uh, college basketball will still be the better way, and hopefully that comes along with uh, the chance to make some money off of, like, that fame. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't, like like I said, I, I think you summed it up. Well, I don't see this as being this, like, huge thing. I, I think the G League team being a major draw, like, maybe. I think a lot of it depends on where they put it. And that and, and that's being that's another, like, question right now. I know Tampa, I've seen, like, some USF fans say they want Tampa to have it. Like, realistically, like, you should probably pick a bigger city. Tampa's one of the larger cities in the country without a team. Um, you should not put it in Vegas, um, for obvious reasons, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I can't see what would go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Not, a, not a thing, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think a bigger city that at least can get some eyeballs on it, some major market media coverage, get those kids comfortable too, like in front of cameras, like realistically, I don't think any G league team, even if it's one that just goes unbeaten and runs rough shot over the league is going to. Um, attract the sort of attention that, you know, Duke having a, a, five, a couple five-star talents or even Syracuse having a five-star talent who's really good, like, is not going to attract that nightly attention. But if they do turn into sort of a traveling circus type deal um, where they're just this really, really good team that that blows the doors off of everybody every night and, and, and there is this transformational talent on the team every year, like, maybe eventually, but I, I don't think that happens overnight. I mean, you think about looking at, like, other sports, like, I mean, you and I are both baseball fans. Like how many times, how many times, even like with, with elite prospects, do you remember like sports center cutting to like, um, like a triple a game on sports center? Like it, it didn't happen. Even like when Strasburg was like, like a, a phenom and he was playing for Syracuse and like everybody, like, like it was, it, it was something you wanted to see and pitch, but it wasn't the sort of thing that was, that was all consuming for anyone but the local fans. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get, like, a little more hype, but, like, Strasburg levels or Harper levels of, like, minor league hype, um, they're only, like, I don't think they're, they're sustainable for, like, full years. I think people want to see, people are interested because they want to see what happens when they get up to the next level versus college where, like, they're already established fan bases who care a lot. Um, so it's, it's definitely, I think it's a positive that there are going to be multiple routes, and I think it's good that it's going to hopefully force the NCAA's hand to lightening up a bit and getting more fair for the players. Um, I think the NCAA would really have to botch this to like fall way behind the G league in some way. Like they'd have to really dig in their heels uh, in a way that is um, really against their own interests. 
which is certainly a possibility based on the NCAA, uh, <laughs> but hopefully not. Track record says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but really, I think it'd almost be as simple as, I mean, this isn't the only thing, but it could be as simple as, oh, um, you know, NBA 2K finally incorporates the G League in, in, into the game. And, and then suddenly, you know, you have all these players like, oh, well, I could be on a video game. And like college basketball video game hasn't existed in a very long time. And like, it, it's not the only thing that decides it, but maybe for some guys that like, man, like I don't need to get paid that much. I wouldn't mind being in a video game, making some money while I'm playing. And, and then I'm going to go to the NBA the next year anyway. Like th- th- that to me is the only place where like the NCAA could really stumble here is if they, if they like just don't, and they understand some of the, like the basic boxes to check, like the video game one, where we're like, okay, like for, at, at the very least, cr- create the name and likeness, um, you know, benefit for players. And even if it's just a, you know, by EA Sports or by 2K, of just a quick like NCAA tournament, like like create your own field. And like even if you don't play the regular season, if just to create your own field, like Im- imagine if you sold that for like twenty five, thirty bucks on, on on the main systems, like how much that would sell. Yeah, I would love to have those teams back. Obviously, in some football, they'll just make the full thing eventually. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's definitely something to be said. Honestly, I think, like, NCAA football, like, football players don't have to quite the same um, debates because it doesn't seem like there's any real momentum to the NFL uh, going. And there's probably less of an argument because of uh, of the, like, level of physicality in the game and whatnot. Um, but I, I, it's not crazy to think if, like, a guy wouldn't be making – that much money or it'd be like a fourth round pick, but you could get them a little bit of compensation here and there. And then uh, with the video game, like, you know, the players are, are going to make decisions for their own reasons. And it's not going to be what like a, across the board, but um, I think it's kind of a no brainer in terms of, uh, you know, it's a product that people want um, and it's a way to hopefully get the money in people's pockets and, and help them out a little bit. So and obviously, as a you know, I would love to play those games. I've I've won on the record that if we get an incident play football back, I will buy a new console for the first time in a long time. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely a, a vested interest for me. But I do think there's something there where you know it could sway someone to stay, even if it's a little less money. If it's like cool exposure for them, and like kind of like a, a I mean we we it's very apparent now. Like if you see any of these athletes, they're huge gamers. Like it's it would be def uh it definitely be a big factor. I think. Oh yeah. Long off seasons in sports. Um, and while we spend it like making joke articles, um, a lot of the time they spend it playing, uh, playing video games. And yeah, I, uh, I have a switch and realistically, I, I don't think that they would prioritize NCAA football for that, even if I think they should. Um, so yeah, I might have to get a new console, another new console. Um, I just figure, I figure they wouldn't do it for the Switch because the Switch doesn't get cool things like that sometimes. I say get 2K. Yeah, I mean, they get 2K, but even that 2K is not like the the whole 2K. There's like there's there's some caveats there. It's like it's a it's it it's gotten better, but admittedly, like it's not great. The extra challenge with Switch is that you have to make it playable on various screen formats. Um. And obviously with various controller configurations that like other systems don't really have the same problem with. Um, but at the same time, Switch, you know, it's only 20 bucks a month for online, which is pretty great. That's um, like the best deal around. And you get all the uh, Super NES and uh, NES games with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool console. I have I have the 
I think the first 2K they did for it, just I wanted like something. It was after the next one had come out, but I just wanted something cheap. But it's a, it plays fairly well for what you uh, what you hope to get, but um, definitely not like up to the the caliber of uh, a three uh, uh, Xbox One, I guess, or a PS4. But as someone who doesn't have a ton of time to play video games, if I can play a couple games of, of FIFA, the FIFA actually works really well. Um, FIFA or 2K or hopefully one day Madden and, and uh, NCAA on my on the subway commute or whatever, assuming I get to go back to New York City at some point here in my life and go to work and live my life again, um, it would be very welcome. And the, the, the Switch is very good for that if you have limited time. Yeah, I uh, it, it's if I'm not traveling with my kid, it's a must for uh, uh, plane rides. Yeah, because like if you like like find like Chicago, yeah, like Chicago, like you're flying like like from here at least flying Chicago or like anywhere in Central Time Zone. It's like just the right amount of charge, where like it's gonna die like right before you get there, and that's fine because then you can just charge it when you get there. Um, if you brought the dock and everything, um, I know one of my best friends has one. So like if I go see him, like I usually bring a controller, a couple games. Um, I play 2K a bunch. Um, that's really all I've been playing lately. Super Mario Odyssey is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, just a super fun uh, play for sure. Um, but yeah, 2K, I just have my miserable next season, well, career mode or whatever. It's franchise mode. I don't really play career mode, but yeah, I just I just run the next to the ground and then, uh, and then you know, just, just rebuild, amass first round picks like it's my job. I, I basically have like a four-year process and then if the process doesn't work every four years, I just burn the whole thing down again. I really enjoy is, that you're having to do the process nice. with the Knicks in a video game. That's that's wonderful. It's yeah, it's fun until it's not really. Uh, <laughs> I started up a uh, I started up a Liberty season, and that's actually a lot more fun. <laughs> so just because WNBA is on the new one, so I've just been playing uh, playing the Liberty. Um, that's 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 enjoyable. Pro tip for people with a Switch. Um, by like December, they knocked down the 2K price to like 25, 30 bucks. I wonder if they might even do that earlier this year, assuming I mean, who, who knows what the season uh, like type will be by that point. But I, I, I yeah, you know, maybe I, I'll grab the next. I, I, I would definitely recommend it. I have the last couple of years of it. Um, and yeah, I played a bunch. This is Pantan and John talking about video games for people who don't have time to play video games. Seriously. Yeah, no, the only time I play is when my kid's napping during the weekend. But I, I didn't bring anyway. mine with me, and that was a mistake. Oof. Although, again, did yeah, not that's... think I was going to be stuck in the, uh, in the <laughs> South for like over well over a month, possibly two months by the time this is over. So the more you know. This is a fair point. Well, I think that's it for us this week, Dan. Anything else before we go? Uh, It's, uh, no, just kind of ready for the draft. Like, I'm as I said before, it'll be really nice. Um, it'll be really nice just to have like an actual sporting event, even if it's not sports themselves. Um, I'm excited for uh, just kind of total ridiculousness. I think teams are going to really mess this up. Um, or just like it's just going to be goofy, uh, even if they don't like mess it up, mess it up. But uh, it also seems like uh, teams are going to really vary from what people expect. So it'll, it should be a fun event um, and just kind of break up the monotony a little bit. So looking forward to that. Hopefully all the Q's guys uh, go to good situations and we'll find out next week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next Monday. Uh, we'll talk about what went right and wrong for certain teams. It's not going to be as, uh, as ridiculous as the, uh, as the boat that was going to be headed, uh, headed across the water in Vegas. Um, uh, we do miss out on that. We miss out on that, but I'm really glad it's not happening in some ways. 
Because <laughs> that was going to make each pick like, like it's it's a pretty. I mean, you've been to Vegas. It, it's not a small <laughs> like distance in terms of water. Uh, it was going to take a while to to get each pick to go up there. I know it was. Uh, it was going to be ridiculous. I mean, it was going to be very Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be very Vegas and and very NFL at this point. Um, I'm kind of glad that's not happening. Um, and Dan and I would have talked about the last dance on ESPN, but he's watching it tonight. Uh, we'll probably have some thoughts to share about that next week. If people aren't watching it on ESPN, it is very good. Even as a Knicks fan, um, I can express, uh, quite a bit of, of interest and appreciation for what's been a, a very fun look back at Jordan's career and, and, and like the late nineties, uh, NBA landscape too. I'm, I'm hopefully going to watch that. I'll definitely watch it before we talk about it next week, the first two episodes at least. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's it. I mean, I saw the ratings. I saw a lot of talk about it. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I'm very excited for it. And it's like another one of those things that is coming just at the right time. And obviously, ESPN made the decision uh, to bump it up, which is much appreciated. Agreed, agreed. Well, Dan, thank you as always for joining. Hope you uh, continue to stay safe down there. Thank you. And you at West, uh, hopefully, I'm definitely going to still be here next time we talk, but uh, hopefully we inch towards, uh, you know, a little bit of more good news on a daily day, daily basis. But I hope everyone continues to listen to uh, the science and stay safe and all the things that we say every week. Uh, keep on doing a good job. And, and hopefully uh, in the not too distant future, we'll have uh, college football previews and it won't be like super ridiculous that we're talking about. I agree. I've been writing college football previews for the last couple of weeks and it does seem a little futile, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep the faith. Hopefully everybody else too does too. Uh, please everyone stay safe, stay inside, um, do what you can to keep yourself, your family, your community uh, safe and, and as possible, but also where you can to try to support those local businesses um, with delivery options or with quick takeout options. Um, those are good ways to kind of help those people stay in business when it's a really, really rough time for them. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was PSA and, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Noon's absolute podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever else you listen to podcasts and go orange. Go orange.